Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. If you would, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. And so many of you know we are in a little over halfway on a series called I Love This Place. And I definitely love this place. Man, we have a beautiful uh, sunshiny day. I know it's a little chilly, but it's still March. And so it it thinks that it's allowed to, to get down into the 30s in March. But tomorrow, guess what? It's not March anymore. All right. And so I don't know if it's going to work like that, but I'm, uh, I'm believing in faith that uh, we're going to see some 70 degree temperatures. Amen. Next weekend. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I, I wish that the weatherman gets it wrong because sometimes, you know, they say it's going to rain and it doesn't or it's not. And it does. I, I wish that they'd get it wrong and say that it's not going to be 70 until next weekend. And, and, and it turns it tomorrow. Uh, 70 degrees. Anybody else OK with that? All right, so uh, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the place that you have us. Lord, for uh, Temple Baptist Church. Lord, for the greater Centralia area. Lord, thank you for where you have each of us right now uh, in our walk, in our relationship with you. And God, I just ask that your message would be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, we started off this series. We said, I love this place and I love my church. And one of the things I've been uh, pointing out is that when we change the way we look at things, things change. And so um, when we change the way we look at the church, we find out that the church changes. And what we, we learned on that first Sunday was that the church isn't necessarily this building. It's not the, um, the grounds that we have, but it's the people that make up the church. So you could take everything away from temple and we, could, we would still be the church when we gathered together. Uh, then the second week we talked about my community and not only the greater Centralia area, but we also talked about um, the community of the people that we interact with and that there's probably somebody that God needs you to go and talk to. You know, for Jesus, it was the woman at the well and for, for you, it's somebody else and they've got a name. And if, if you don't reach out to them, they may never be reached. And then last week I talked about, I love this place. And one of the ways that we demonstrate that we love this place is by serving. And that the, if we change the way we look at serving, the concept of serving would change. And uh, one of the things that I wanted you to walk away with is that uh, when we serve, not only do we bless others, but we ourselves end up getting a blessing. And today I'm going to talk about uh, uh, most uh, congregants' least favorite subject and what they think is most pastors' favorite subject, and that is the concept of, I love this place by giving. All right, and so if this is uh, your first time here, I want to reassure you that this sermon was scheduled almost eight months ago for this Sunday. 
And if God has you here today, it's the perfect day. This is the perfect message for uh, what the Lord wants you to hear. If you go in Acts uh, chapter 20, and I'm going to read verse 35, and it says this, And when... I'm sorry, let me read verse chapter 20. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, it's interesting that you've heard this. Is this, the, this is not the first time you've heard the concept of it's more blessed to give than to receive, correct? All right, so, so this isn't anything new. But sometimes it's hard for us to uh, internalize this. It's hard for us to actually live out this concept by Jesus that it is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, at Christmas time, we think about, um, you know, I'm not thinking about how many gifts that has someone else's name on there. I'm looking. And, and what name am I looking for? I'm looking for Ronnie. That's right. You know, and as I get older, the, the number of gifts get smaller. Um, I learned this concept that is truly more blessed to give than to receive. I think it was on our 10th anniversary. And um, Carrie had always wanted to go to Hawaii. Well, I was in the Air Force, and the military just didn't pay us that much money. And just to be honest, we couldn't afford to go to Hawaii. And uh, so as our 10th anniversary got near, um, I wanted to do something special. And another thing that Carrie, if, if she couldn't go to Hawaii... She wanted to go on a cruise. And so I bought us a cruise. And, and what I found out was that we went on this uh, seven-day cruise. When the cru- and, and folks, I didn't want to go. All right, uh, I'm afraid of water. I'm afraid of big boats on the water. I've watched every YouTube video of the worst-case scenarios when you go on a cruise. And I was convinced that that was going to happen to us. But we went on the cruise... And here's what ended up happening. I loved it. Not only did I love it, but I wanted to go again, and we have gone on another cruise. And, and, I, and I really understood the concept of it was more blessed to give than to receive because I was uh, giving that gift to Carrie, not something that I was, I didn't even think I was going to enjoy any of the seven days. But not only did I enjoy the seven days, but I enjoyed the 60 days leading up to because we were making all kinds of plans for this seven-day cruise. You know, and, and when Jesus shared with his disciples that it's more blessed to give than to receive, that's the truth. That's the Son of God. That's our Savior. That's the creator of the world saying that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so what I want to do with today is I want to share three things. And the first thing I want to share with you is on the topic of giving, I want to share with you what the Bible says. You can't go into church and you can't talk about the topic of giving without talking about the concept of the tithe. And so I want to read a verse to you in Matthew 23 and verse 23. And it says to you this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. 
Now, folks, I could take you to Leviticus and I can show you where the tithe was laid out for the uh, Israelites. I can show you that the tithe happened 500 years before Israel became a nation. But what I want you to hear is the words of Jesus. See, if you've you've got a, a Bible that has a red letter edition, these words are in red. This is Jesus speaking. Matter of fact, if you read the entire chapter of Matthew, he is beating up the Pharisees. Because they had it all wrong. And you know, a lot of times that we get it wrong when it comes to uh, what the Bible says about giving. And so Jesus told them this, that they tithe mint, dill, and cumin. What he was saying was, you guys tithe your spices. You don't just tithe of the, the flocks. You don't just tithe of the, um, the harvest that comes. You tithe all the way down to the spices. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, they, you know, they didn't ask the question, do, do we tithe on the gross or the net? They tithed on the gross. They went above and beyond finding what the tithe could be for them. But then Jesus points out that, that you're doing this, you're giving, you're giving exactly the way that you're supposed to, but yet you forget about the weightier matters. And what Jesus says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You know, today in America, we've got it reversed. We do a much better job with the law talking about justice and mercy and forgiveness. You know, it's a very popular concept for us in churches. But, but here's the reality. Jesus' followers give 10%. But here's what the statistics tell us. That in America... Only 3% actually give a tithe, a 10%. That means 97, that's right, you can wipe your brow because 97% don't. And what's interesting is the Bible tells us to bring the tithe into the storehouse, not give the tithe. And what that concept tells us is that all that we have in, in Psalms, it tells us, is given to us by the Lord. And what the Lord has required of us as followers of him is to bring back one-tenth of that. See, that's what the word tithe means, a tenth. But that's not the only thing that the Bible says about giving. The second thing that I would like to point out to you is that um, when the Bible talks about giving, it talks about a concept called first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. Here was a group of people who um, lived off of the land. They were farmers. They, they, an agrarian society where agriculture was huge for them. And the wisest man, through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, gives them this. Honor the Lord. Now, Now hear what that means, honor the Lord. It doesn't mean pay back the Lord. It doesn't mean catch up to what you owe the Lord. It's honor. It's an opportunity for us to give. And then what's interesting is any time that we've been given a promise, there's always a a subsequent follow-up promise. And, And this is what the Lord says. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with new wine. Now, most of us don't have farms. Most of us don't have barns. Most of us don't have wine vats. But the concept is the same. The principle doesn't change. And that is that we to honor the Lord with our wealth. You know, it's interesting here in America, one of the most wealthy countries in the world. 
even when we think we're in poverty here, um, we're not. And so Jesus tells us, told his disciples, told the Pharisees, uh, make sure that you, you tithe, you do a good job, but don't neglect. And I think that if Jesus were here to tell us, he would tell you're doing a good job about forgiveness, you're doing a good job about mercy, but don't forget the tithe. And he would take us to, I believe, and show us the first fruits. But if you look at the, the, the third thing that I want to share with you about what the Bible says about giving. And in the military, we have this concept called bluff. B-L-U-F. It means bottom line, up front. And, and if you go around, if you, if you put 10 preachers up here, they'd probably give you 10 different sermons on giving. If you talk to um, 10 different people in this congregation, you probably have 10 different views on giving. But let me give you the bottom line up front. This is what the Bible says about giving. And it's found in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 through 10. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Now listen to this. It says each one must give and it, it doesn't stop there. It says you must give as you have decided in your heart. Now, folks, uh, the Bible is very clear that the tithe is scriptural, that people who uh, believe, follow in the name of Jesus, they want to tithe. That is us bringing back to God what he's blessed us with. But Paul made it very clear in the New Testament that what the Lord is really looking for is that we decide in our heart what we're going to give. So, so you may ask, is it okay if I only give 4%? Well, yes, but that's not a tithe. The tithe is 10%. But you're absolutely free to give 4%, 3%, 28%. See, read the rest of the scripture with me here. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. If a pastor gets up here and points his finger at you and tells you that you're no good, low-down, bad follower of Jesus because you're not giving your tithe, he's wrong. Because the bottom line up front is this, that we must give as we've decided in our hearts, and we should not give under compulsion, and we should not give reluctantly. Probably don't hear it preached that way too often, do you? But this is what Scripture says. This is what God's word tells us. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. You know, as you start to see Jesus operate, he was much more concerned about the heart than he was about the actions. He is much more concerned about why we did what we did versus what we did. And we would be wise to follow. Well, this is what the Bible tells us about giving. It, that it is biblical for us to tithe. It is biblical for us to give back. Then we understand that when we give, we give out of the first. So, you know what? We don't tithe at the end of the month. We don't tithe with what's left over. That's not a tithe. And it's certainly not the first fruits. And the last thing is this. You know, God does not punish non-tithers. What you will find out, though, is that he does withhold blessings. Interesting concept. So let me share with you about giving what I've learned 
All right? Uh, the first thing I learned on tithing was just uh, almost 30 years ago, 28 years ago. I'm down in the city of Belleville, Illinois. I'm just maybe eight months into my military career, not being paid very much at all. Grew up in a Christian home, had been tithing all the way up until the point I joined the military. But then I quit tithing for those eight months because I just didn't have enough. That's what I told myself. And so um, I don't know if it was a sermon or what happened, but I had just come under conviction that I needed to start tithing again. And it was at the end of the month, and I knew I was about to get a check uh, deposited, and so I had wrote out a tithe check. This was like on a Friday. On Saturday, I'm driving around Belleville, and it's Saturday night, and my car breaks down. Me and my best friend, we break down, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, Belleville. And so we saw a house with some lights on, and we walked up to this house, knocked on the door, and this lady answered. And, and we told her our predicament, and you know, this was before cell phones. Could we borrow your phone to call somebody to get a ride and get this figured out, what was going on with the vehicle? And um, so uh, I found out that the problem with my car was that the clutch had gone out. About $300 fix. My paycheck, with the tithe, would barely cover fixing the car. And all the rest of the night, Saturday night, and, and until I got to church Sunday morning, I, can't, I only had one thought was that, you know what, I can't afford to tithe. And I, and I called the wisest person at that time that I knew, and it was my mom, and I kind of shared what was going on. And she told me, she goes, Ronnie, I... I don't want to tell you what to do, but if I was you, I'd tithe. And what I learned, and I did, and what I've learned since then is that I can live better on the 90% than I can by myself on the 100%. You know, it's hard, but God didn't tell us everything was going to be easy for us. It's hard, but that's why we do it in faith. Another lesson I learned about giving was a few years later, uh, uh, I'm stationed down at Keystore Air Force Base. I'm living in in Biloxi, Mississippi. And I was the uh, chairman of deacons at the time, and our pastor um, led us in what was called a seven-up campaign. It was seven weeks long, and at the end of the seven weeks, there was going to be a big offering that we would take up. And so he had asked the church, Lord, uh, asked the church for, for them to pray about what they would give on that seventh week. And then he also asked that um, if they would increase their tithe or whatever they were given by 7%. So, for example, if you were given $100, uh, give $107. All right, and so um, during the seven weeks, I think uh, I had gotten three different checks, and so I'd, I'd increased it by 7%. I wanted to follow my pastor and, and as best I could. And then I started praying, you know, Lord, what is it that I can give on that last week? as an offering. Now again, I'm in the military. I'm not very high in rank and we don't have a lot of money and and we live paycheck to paycheck. Matter of fact, I found out that I usually had more month than I had paycheck. And so um, we did a good job of tithing, but we really did not give anything above the tithe. 
And so, you know, I followed my pastor in faith, and, and so I prayed, and, and the Lord laid a number on my heart. And I talked with Carrie about it, and we both agreed that the Lord wanted us to give $1,000 on that seventh. Now, and let me just understand, $1,000 was, like, impossible. We, we didn't have $1,000 in the bank, all right? We definitely didn't have $1,000 at the end of the month. And so for seven weeks, we had to adjust our lifestyle so that we could save, so that we could write a check for $1,000 and it wouldn't bounce. Now, now, here's what I've learned, okay? That when we worship God with our first and trust Him with the rest, He doesn't let us down. Because here's what happened to us while we were living in Biloxi. We had bought a home. Um, I think we paid $37,000 for it. $33,000 for it. A pretty nice house fixer upper five years later we sold that home for I believe 150,000 I'm not telling you that 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 you need to give a thousand dollars and God's going to do that for you I'm telling you that this young man in faith stepped out to a level that I've never done before and I believe God blessed us and, and let me share with you what he does. All right? You know, there's another concept that we ha- have wrong. And, and what I learned in that 7-Up campaign was that we need to learn to be a river, not a reservoir. When God gives to us, he gives it to us to bless other people, and then he gives us more. And then we bless other people, and then he gives us more. And then pretty soon, we just don't even know how to handle it. And, and we just keep giving away. Now, this isn't just me preaching. This isn't me just telling you what I've learned. Let me share with you what God says. Here's another misconception. Nobody can preach on tithing or giving without hitting Malachi 3, right? So so let's just go there. Malachi 3.10. And it says this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. A lot of times that we go to the verses before that and where it says, will a man rob God? And so we think immediately that what he's talking about is, will a man rob God by not giving the tithe? What I think you need to understand is that is the misconception on our part. Because I don't know about you, but here's what I know about God. That God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he owns the hills. And he created them. Matter of fact, God thinks so much of our money that when we get to heaven, he's paved the streets with it. So, you know, God is not worried about us robbing him of something going into his coffers. All right? Here's what he's really talking about. What he's talking about is, will a man rob God of me blessing him? And so in the next a couple of verses, in Malachi 3, he lays out a sevenfold blessing. Watch this. Malachi 3.10, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Who wants to be tested? The Lord of hosts, God Almighty. Here's the sevenfold blessing he promises. It says, If, number one, I will not open up the windows of heaven for you. Oh, how many people in here wouldn't mind having the windows of heaven opened up just for you? All right, thank you. I'm in the right room. How about this? 
The second part of that promise is, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. How many do I got a witness? Who would accept the blessings that God would pour down until there is no need if, they, if he opened up heaven and he poured that out on us? I, man, we could just be like the little kids at the splash pad. And then the third thing he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for you. How many people has the devourer working in their life? Working on the car, working on that water heater, working on the thermostat, working on things in your life. And the devourer is all over you. How many people would like the Lord of hosts, the God, the creator of the world to rebuke the devourer for you? I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'd take it. I'd be behind him, you know, yeah, and that, and take it again. And the fourth thing is so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And five, and that your vine in the field will not fail to bear. Who says it? The Lord of hosts. Not Ronnie Tabor. Not your mom or dad. Not your favorite uncle. The Lord of hosts says, test me and I will give you a sevenfold blessing. And six, it says, then all the nations will call you blessed. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to be walking around town and people, you know, that guy's blessed of the Lord. That lady is blessed of the Lord. And the seventh thing is, for you will be a land of delight. You know, it's almost a joke in America that we talk about all of our families are dysfunctional. Matter of fact, um, we used to, <laughs> I wanted to buy a sign that says we put uh, this in dysfunctional when it comes to families. Wouldn't it be nice to have the windows of heaven opened up and the blessings poured out that, so that there's no more need, that the, the devourer gets rebuked, that the field grows. Let me just encourage you. Quit robbing yourself of the blessings that God has promised. Folks, it, you don't have to wonder whether or not God requires it. Jesus spoke very plainly. You don't have to wonder what it looks like. We, I think we know. The question is, do you have enough faith to believe that Jesus will do what he said he'll do here? And, and if you don't, it's okay. But quit robbing yourself. You know, I want to share with you a video in just a minute. Um, and in this video, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey, and, and, and he's going to talk about why. Why we should... Be willing to give. And, you know, Dave Ramsey's an expert on this because he's led hundreds of thousands of people to experience financial freedom. Listen to what he has to say. The fire with those crochet blankets, it was awesome. I just think about that. The maker of heaven and earth, the great I am with a crochet needle and an RNA and DNA double helix. <laughs> and in the middle of that is his image. We're made in his image. Many years ago, I was sitting early one morning. I can't claim I do this all the time. Some of you are perfect Bible students and you're more spiritual than me. But sometimes I get up early in the morning and read through Scripture and have that time in prayer. And, and I was up really early. It was back when our children were small and it was about 530 in the morning trying to get up before they do, right? So I can have some quiet time, some prayer time, reading the Bible. And I'm, I'm sitting there reading the Bible, and 
Uh, it's literally 5.30 in the morning. Now, my youngest, Daniel, at that time, he's a, a, a full-grown man now, of course, but at that time he was five years old. And I'm sitting there having a great quiet time, just me and God, and we're just talking, everything's awesome, this is great, and I hear footsteps coming down the stairs. And I look up, and my five-year-old kid is up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, his hair is like this, right? He's five, so he's not got any teeth. And he's got on the Spider-Man footy pajamas with the knee out because he's been sliding in home base. You know the picture, right? <laughs> and, 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 of course, he's dragging his little blanket down the stairs. I know at five he shouldn't have had one still, but he's the youngest. <laughs> they get away with murder. And I'm like, son, you're up too early. You're going to be worn out later, grouchy, and get a beating. <laughs> I mean, you need, you, honey, you need to go back to bed, baby boy. I mean, really, you need to go back. Well, Daddy, can I just sit with you for a little while? And I said, well, sure. But then you got to go right back to bed. Yes, sir. And he climbed up in my lap. And before I realized what happened, a wave of emotion came over me, and I just started crying. Tears running down my face. He said, Dad, what's wrong? Daddy, did I do something wrong? I said, oh, no, baby, you didn't do anything wrong. You see, I've got two girls, and Daniel's my only son. And I said, Daniel, I was just reading here, and I've read it many, many, many times, but it just hit me different this morning, that God gave his only son for me, for my sins. I would submit to you that God is a giver. That's about as big a gift as has ever been given in the history of the universe. He is a giver. And if you and I are made in His, the more often we give, the more our hearts are broken, reshaped, and they look more like His heart. It, it, it's very difficult to say that I'm Christ-like than I'm a Christ follower, a Christian, when I'm not a giver. Because it is in the very essence of God's personality, in the personality of His Son, in the personality of the Trinity. He is a giver. And so the reason He has me to give is the scarlet thread of redemption that runs all the way from Genesis to maps through here. It runs from the front to the back. The whole thing is about redeeming you, about redeeming me. And, and so the reason he has this to give is he, he wants us to become a little more like him. And every time I give, every time I understand I'm not an owner, I move along that spectrum from selfish to selfless. I become a little less preoccupied with me and a little more preoccupied with others. People who don't give live over here. And it doesn't matter whether they're rich or whether they're poor. They don't give of themselves. They have nothing in their life that indicates servanthood. They have nothing in their life that indicates an open spirit. They have nothing in their life that indicates the kind of joy that you get when you get over here on this end and you're giving like crazy because you find out it's the most fun thing you'll ever do with money. 
And when you start giving, it's flowing through you. And you start to become who you were designed to be. When you start giving, it turns loose creativity. It turns loose passion. It turns loose. It causes reconciliation in relationships you never dreamed would happen because you change. It makes you into who you were born to be when you learn to give. That's why God has us to give. It works. Folks, the reason why we give is because that's the way we were designed to. If you have uh, been fortunate enough to uh, had the opportunity to be a giver at any point in your life, you know what I'm telling is the truth. You know that, um, that Jesus was absolutely 100% correct when he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. You know, I started off and I told you that I used to look under the trees and I looked for a certain name. But you know what? Now it's very fun to watch Colin open up gifts and Caleb open up gifts and Declan open up gifts and Katie Brooke open up gifts. Why? Because God has wired into our DNA that we are givers. Why? Because he was a giver. Let me share with you a few questions that we all must answer about giving. And the first question is this, am I going to give? And really what we're asking ourselves is, am I going to get engaged? Here's what we know, the last thing that somebody who starts attending a church does is start to give. And the first thing, once they decide they don't want to go to church here anymore, is they stop giving. Spoiler alert, we've already answered the questions I'm about to ask you. So the first question, am I going to give? Am I going to get engaged? Second question is this, can I give more than dollars? And the question we're really asking is, am I going to get involved? You see, um, it's not just about writing a check. It's not just about putting dollars and Benjamin Franklin's inside the, the offering. We have an opportunity to give of our time, talent, and treasure. You know, I think about uh, two different, very different men in our church. One's a young man who volunteers more than 20 hours a week here. And then there's another one that's not so young, and he's volunteering more than 20 hours a week here in the church. I look around and I see many of you who have different talents that God has given you, and you invest those into the service of our Lord. You know, so giving isn't just about dollar signs. Yep, we are in a society where everything seems to go around the dollar, and there's no way that we could talk about the concept of giving without talking about money. But I'm telling you that if you don't understand that it's much more than money, that it has more to do with the time, talent, and treasure, and it has more to do with the heart. Because there's some people who would rather write a check than actually tell somebody about Jesus Christ. But Jesus isn't interested in that. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at my heart. And the third question is, how can I increase my giving? And the question we're really asking is, am I going to grow my potential? Or am I going to stop? You know, for so many years... I practiced tithing, but I absolutely stopped at tithing. I gave 10%, and I didn't do anything else. And I robbed myself of the opportunity to bless other people. 
And so over the last 10 to 15 years, starting with that 7-Up campaign where God showed me that, that he would take my faith and he would, with good measure, press down, shaking together and running over, return it. And I, and I stand before you today a very generous giver. Carrie and I have made it. Matter of fact, if you uh, had seen her car a couple weeks ago, it still had the Ohio plate on there, and the word on there was abundance because we had, were just celebrating that God had blessed us abundantly, and we were excited about that. See, she doesn't have that license plate anymore, but you know what? We still live an abundant life. We still live a life where we're able to give. And so I can stand before you just like Luke uh, was, uh, was relating this story. In Acts 20 and, and verse 31, it says, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Church, I'm standing before you telling you that I'm not up here asking you to give because I'm going to get a pay raise. I'm, tr trust me, I do not get a bonus based on what you all give here at the church. But I would be derelict in my duty as a pastor if I didn't explain to you that when we withhold, it's not the church that we hurt. It's ourselves. You know, I watched as a, uh, we, we were in a church down in uh, uh, Florida, um, and this church did something interesting was in that it, at the end of the year, it would, it would give a list of all the givers. It was just a number. You didn't know your number. Or, well, you knew your number. You didn't know everyone else's number. And I was amazed that as a young staff sergeant in the Air Force, that at this church that was running um, hundreds, that my giving was in the top 80%. If I wouldn't have seen it, I wouldn't have believed that. But here's what I learned, was that God blesses when we give. And here's what I watched as I was a deacon at that church. I watched a group of uh, people that decided that they no longer wanted to support the church. As a matter of fact, they had convinced themselves that they were the financial backing of that church. And they, they left and they, they told everyone around town that this church will fold in 18 months because the giving's gone. Oh, but you know what? God said something different. See, he saw the heart. And everyone that left, God increased with another giver that gave more than they ever could. Folks, don't ever think and judge and try to tell God how you're going to bless Allow. See, it's all about having our hands open like this. See, a lot of times when it comes to money, we hang on to it like this. All right? And the problem when you, have, when you hold on to your money like this is that it's, it's hard to get any more in there. And when you start walking around like this, It's a whole lot easier. Matter of fact, you can walk around and do things like this and not worry about it. How about that, Will? Take that top one. Jessica, how about those? You get both of them. 
That's what we're supposed to walk around like, not with a clenched fist. Wondering, how in the world am I going to replace this money that I'm giving to the church? And I don't even like what they're doing with it. The Bible says, bottom line up front, is be a cheerful giver or don't give. Folks, it, let, me, let me share three more things and then I'll close. What I do is obedience. Either we're going to be obedient and tithe or we're not going to be obedient. It's okay. You don't have to tithe. But the Bible says that I love a cheerful giver. And if you're going to give, here's where you start. One-tenth. And God has promised that he'll do more with that one-tenth, uh, with the 90% that he, he gives you, that you use, than, than you could ever do with the 100%. And the problem is that you'll never understand this until you take that step of faith. You know, obedience is never understood until you obey. Obedience doesn't make any sense until you try it. And you're probably asking yourself, oh, but pastor, you don't understand how much money I don't get. Here's what I would tell you. You can't afford not to tithe, folks. You know, um, I, I, I learned that I used to start tithing on the paycheck that I wanted, not the one I was getting. And so as I was coming up through the military, I would look at the rank above me. I would see how much, and, that, and I'd start tithing on that. And all of a sudden, I'd, I'd be wearing that rank. And then I'd look at the next one. I'd say, okay, uh, I'm going to start tithing on that payment. I don't know how biblical that is. That's probably a little bit of the raw knowledge. But you know what? The Lord blessed. So what I do is obedience. What I could do is sacrifice. You know, I learned about sacrificially giving in the 7-Up campaign. Couldn't afford it. Didn't know. I still, to this day, don't know how we were able to write a check that didn't bounce. But I'm here to show you that God blessed us. And then the last thing is what I would do is faith. You know, some of you are just at a, you, you're not there yet, and it's okay. You're like that centurion soldier that said, Lord, help my unbelief. And you need help from God. Well, I tell you what, fill out one of those prayer cards and say, Pastor, pray for me. My faith is weak, and I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. But here's the reality that we need to start. And we got to start somewhere. And I would encourage you that you should start now. Don't wait until the time is perfect because the time will never be perfect. Don't wait until you're making $100,000 a year because, trust me, you will, if you won't tithe when you're making $1,000 a year, you'll never tithe when you're making 100000 The only one that you're fooling is yourself. And so um, with that open hand of posture, here's a couple things to think about. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 9 tells us this, as you have decided in your heart. Folks, I'm giving you as your pastor, this is what the Bible tells us. You need to decide what you're going to give and then do it. And, and so what I want to do is share with you a few different ways here at the church that you could start. And the first one is um, we have just introduced a concept called um, every dollar makes a difference. And here's what this means. As you look at the picture, you see the church there. And then um, if you look to the, the right of that, you're going to see that there's three people sitting in the pews. And what that means is for every person sitting in the pew on every Sunday, 
we are, as a church are setting $1 aside. And then we are going to help people with that. And the way that we're going to help them is, matter of fact, there's a website there at the bottom. Don't go there now, but write it down. But if you go to our website, tbccentralia.com slash every dollar, you'll read about this. And you have the opportunity to recognize people that are in need. Somebody that maybe, it might be your neighbor, it might be your friend, it might be the person sitting beside you today. And if you'll fill that form out, uh, our benevolence committee will sit down, look at that, and then based on the amount of people that we've had attending, we are setting a dollar aside, and then we're going to help people. One of the things that we can do is, if, you aren't, if, if the faith isn't there for you to tithe, the faith isn't there for you to give, here's what I would encourage you. Give one dollar. Because you know that one dollar for, for every time you come to our church is being set aside for somebody. The way I'm doing it is uh, every time I write a check, I'm adding $2 to it. If I write a $100 check, it's $102. If it's a $125 check, it's a $127 check. That's for the two of us that every time we come to church. Not only that, but one of the things that we've added here at the church is the ability for us to give online. Um, now, most of you may not have this problem, but I only write checks in two different places, at church and at the place for the tags. All right, Everyone else gets paid with a debit card or uh, somehow doing it online. Well, that's one of the things that we've added to our church. And so you'll start seeing, uh, matter of fact, uh, you, you see it in the, the bulletin today, but you'll see opportunities that if you don't write checks and you still want to be able to support the church, you want to take that step of faith, here's another opportunity. And the third thing is I would tell you is that uh, here at the church, we have been offering a course called Financial Peace University. I would encourage everyone, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, that um, at some point you should go through this. It's nine weeks. That, Dave Ramsey, that was from that course. And allow him to show you how that you can experience financial peace. You know, it, having a million dollars in the bank account doesn't always give us financial peace. It's the way that we look at the money that God gives us. I've been telling you, hashtag 165. And you know what? Giving is no different. Giving does, doesn't just mean what we put in the, the offering plate here at the church. We should be just like Jesus, and everywhere we go, we should be looking for the opportunity to give. We should be looking for the opportunity for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We should be looking for the opportunity where somebody can say that they have been blessed because of the blessing that we've been to them. See, what would happen if we had a church full of people who were spending their 165 hours away from church? See, we spend about three hours here. There's 168 hours in a week. 165 hours, we're not here at church. I get it. Some of you sleep. It's okay. Take those off the 165. What are you doing with, with what's left over? And just like we want to be the church when we're not here, just like we want to reach our community even if they don't come through this door, just like we want to serve, we want to be the hands and feet, we want to give all week long. When, when the Lord brings somebody into your life that has a bona fide need and you see it and there's a way that you can help them, be the hands and feet of Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. 
To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.